All right, welcome back. Good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? So glad to see all of you here. I know we're, like we've said in the first service, we're missing quite a few traveling or sick, but we're glad that you're here. All right, some announcements. Um, Just a reminder, there will be no service this Wednesday, um, just because everybody is going to be getting ready for Thanksgiving, so we'll give you that time. We will also not be having Prayer Tuesday, so we will see you guys next Sunday, right? (laughs) Ladies, there will be a Christmas party on December 3rd at 11 a.m., Sister DeMuth will be getting you more details on that. Also a reminder, uh, the Tupelo Children's Gift Cards, uh, the money for that will be due on December 4th. And the offering for Christmas for Christ will be due on December 18th. So just keep those in your prayers. Um, Let God direct you in what you will give. Hallelujah. Reach out. And touch the Lord as he passes by. You will find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He is passing by this moment your needs to supply. So reach out and touch the Lord as He goes by. Reach out and touch the Lord as He passes by. You will find He's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He is passing by this moment your needs to supply. So reach out and touch the Lord as He goes by. Reach out And touch the Lord as he passes by. You will find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He is passing by this moment your needs to supply. So reach out and touch the Lord as He goes by. Reach out and touch the Lord as He passes by. You will find He's not too busy. To hear your heart's cry, He is passing by this moment, your needs to supply. So reach out and touch the Lord as He 
goes by. Reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. You will find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He is passing by this moment your needs to supply. So reach out and touch the Lord as He goes by. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you are here with us today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I will submit to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I want your will to be done. In my life and in this service, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where from cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. 
glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. I am so wondrously saved from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where he took me in. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Oh, precious fountain that saves from sin. I am so glad I have entered in. There Jesus saves me and keeps me clean. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Come to this fountain so rich and sweet. Cast thy poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge in today and be made complete. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Come to this fountain so rich and sweet. Cast thy poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge into day and be made complete. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name.
glory to his name glory to his name there to my heart was the blood applied glory to his name praise god can we worship him for just a moment hallelujah jesus he's worthy of worship church he's worthy of all praise all glory and all honor praise god praise god we serve an awesome god today he's on the throne he's the king of kings he's the lord of lords he's the lion of the tribe of judah Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship and we praise you today. Thank you, Jesus, for your many benefits, your manifold goodness to the people of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We, we laud and we magnify you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. He's an awesome God. He's a wondrous Savior. We can delight ourselves in Him, the God of our salvation. Praise God. We can be thankful for everything in our lives. Everything. Praise God. We don't always see things properly, though. We don't always look at things through the right frame of reference. And that's where we start getting into difficulty. If we could keep the right frame of reference, the proper perspective, I think we'd do a whole lot better. Amen. Second Corinthians 5 and 7 says this, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We'll talk for a few minutes this morning on this topic, the easier path. The easier path. If we can pray one more time, ask the Lord to bless the remainder of His service that He would speak to each and every person here, speak to each and every person joining us online. Amen. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. We are so thankful for the presence of God in this place and for the promise of God that when we submit ourselves to You, You would work all things out for good. That when we give ourselves to You, You would reveal truth unto us. Let Your Word go forth this morning. Let truth be revealed, I pray. Move us closer to You, closer to Your image, closer to the plan and to the person that You want us to be. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. And before we get started, I do want to welcome our visitor this morning, uh, Megan Running. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Amen. We are blessed and honored to have you here with us. Amen. Uh, and again, if you have any questions, you have any concerns, I'll let one of our usher or greeter know, and we'll get those taken care of for you. Amen. Praise God. So, there seems to be a phenomenon uh, that all human beings experience, okay? And you're going to know what I'm talking about here uh, when we get going. For example, someone who just started working at a GM plant suddenly notices a lot more Corvettes on the road than there were before. Well, it just so happens that he's on the, the Corvette assembly line. When a medical student starts studying diseases 
and symptoms to those diseases. A lot of them will become convinced they have the very disease they're currently studying. This is so prevalent, in fact, that it has its own term, medical student syndrome. It happens a lot. A detective likes someone for a crime early on in the investigation, and now they can only see evidence that will confirm his suspicions. And he completely misses evidence that would contradict his suspicions. There are a couple of terms, different terms for this. In a general sense, this is often referred to as confirmation bias. More specifically, it's referred to, among other terms, as inattentional blindness. Doesn't matter. Uh, the idea is that we see only what we want to see or only what we expect to see. I'm going to read a, a quote from an article that I found on science2.0.com. The person's name is Sarah Harrison. The article is titled, Do We Only See What We Want to See? Experts Don't Notice a Gorilla in Their Midst. The article is this. Another interesting way in which what we don't see can reveal more about how visual processing works than what we do see comes from the phenomenon of inattentional blindness. One would imagine that when a person is concentrating intensely on a task which involves vision, that they would be more observant. It seems the opposite is the case. And they are, in fact, much more likely to miss obvious features in a scene presented right in front of their eyes. A famous example is what happens when subjects are shown a video of a basketball match and are asked to count the number of passes that happen during a game sequence. During the play, a person dressed in a gorilla costume crosses the shot. When asked to report on what they saw, a 1999 study shows subjects could report the number of passes observed, yet incredibly did not report seeing the gorilla if asked whether they noticed anything unusual about the video. In fact, people appear flummoxed when they are told the gorilla featured and are astounded when they watch the video back, now knowing that it's going to appear. More recently, in a study published July 17, 2013, at Brigham and Women's Hospital, Researchers have probed the inattentional blindness phenomenon further. It seems that even experts in a field when carried, carrying out routine tasks in their line of work cannot notice the obvious or even the absurd. In the investigation, 24 radiologists were asked to examine scans of patients' lungs and search for nodules, which were perhaps in, indicative of pathology. They were looking for uh, carcinoma. They examined five scans with an average of 10 nodules each, and on the last scan, an image of a gorilla, 48 times larger than the included nodules, also appeared on the lung surface. Despite its obvious presence, 83% of radiologists tested did not report seeing the gorilla. Perhaps what we perceive is a lot more influenced by what we are searching for and what we expect to see than we might think. And that far from seeing an object, objective representation of the world around us, the visual cortex unconsciously makes decisions to include or exclude things in the environment that it regards as more or less important to achieving a task. Even when an observer is experienced or even expert at a task, spotting what is obvious might be a challenge for them if it is very far from what they expect to see. Amen. So, what does that have to do with our service today? Well, when it comes to our spiritual walk, 
We all of us have a bit of a confirmation bias as well, don't we? What are we expecting to see from God? What are we expecting to see when we come into a church service? What are we expecting to see or experience when we go to the Lord in prayer? We know what the right answer is, and we can say it perfectly. We expect to see Jesus do miracles. We expect to see great things, mighty things happen in church service. Uh, We expect this, that, and the other. But, is that really the case? In your heart of hearts, in my heart of hearts, Holy Ghost is our witness. Can we stand before God and testify? I'm expecting great things when I go to you in prayer. I've heard people tell me, this is when uh, Brother Haney was still the superintendent. He got sick. Everyone is praying for Brother Haney. One of our ministers, he pastors somewhere between the East Coast and the West Coast. In any case, I heard him say, well, you know, I'm going to pray for him because people want me to pray for him, but God's not going to heal him. And uh, I didn't say anything, but I was thinking, well, why are you praying in the first place then? At least for that. I mean, establish a relationship, you know, do that kind of stuff in prayer too. But why are you asking him for something you already know the answer to? I <clears throat> And uh, yeah, we know how the story ended, but uh, I was like, wow. That really, that really impacted me. I want to pray, but I already know he's not going to heal him. So what was he expecting in prayer? Absolutely nothing. Are we expecting to see God do great and mighty things? Or are we expecting to experience the silence of God? Yeah, I'm going to pray for revival, but... That's not coming here. Yeah, I'm going to pray for this guy's, this person's salvation, but they're not going to have anything to do with God. <coughs> We're going to see what we expect to see, folks. And in a spiritual sense, that's true even more than in the physical. Because in the physical... It's just a a matter of perception, by and large. It's there whether we see it or not. But in the spiritual, it won't come to pass unless we first see it with eyes of faith. The Bible teaches us that. Job 3 and 25 says this, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of has come unto me. How many can relate to that verse? You're afraid of something. You're nervous about something. You're doing everything you can to avoid it. But yet, there it is. Maybe it's kind of like when I'm riding a bike. I see something on the path that I want to avoid. If I keep looking at that thing, invariably I hit it. And I'm trying to avoid it. So I learned something. I got to look somewhere else. 
And that's where I end up going. It really is an interesting, strange phenomenon. I look at something and I try to swerve a different way. I, I know what's happening now and I try to do it, but somehow the pull is always toward where I'm looking. And isn't that true in the spiritual as well? Where we're looking, where our attention is focused, that's where we end up going. That's who we end up being as a person. So then the obvious solution is, as I discovered riding bike, look somewhere else. Get your eyes focused on something different. Don't focus on those things that I'm fearing. Focus on those things that I want to see come to pass. I brought up earlier uh, an example of Abraham and Isaac. God told Abraham, go up to Mount Moriah, sacrifice your son Isaac unto me. Rather than arguing, rather than debating, he got up early in the morning, got things together, and went to Mount Moriah. He went through the whole shebang. During his travel there, What do you think he was thinking about? What do you think was on that man's mind? What was he expecting to see on top of Mount Moriah? Well, we know what he was expecting to see. He was expecting God to do a miracle. We read in Hebrews 11 that maybe God was able to raise him up. He told the men traveling with him, Me and the boy are going to come back down again. He was speaking with faith. God had told him to kill him. But he knew they were both going to walk back down that mountain somehow. And what what he saw with eyes of faith is exactly what happened. Hebrews 11, 24-27 says, Referring to Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction, suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, as seeing him who is invisible." Now, if confronted with this situation in our present lives, what do you think most people's response would be? What do you think they would see at the end of both scenarios? Let's say, for example, I had an opportunity to... I don't know what's appealing to most people. Be be a high executive at the job that you're working at right now. Brother Shepard, if you could be the CEO of the railroad, think of all the power you'd have. You could do the right thing finally. You could settle these disputes. All the, all the power you'd have for good. Wouldn't that be awesome? You could take care of all those people you're working with right now. Or, or you could keep doing what you're doing Because you feel like that's the will of God. But you're not sure it's the will of God. And so you look at this position. All the great things I could do. 
man, I'd be making a lot of money. All the missionaries I could support. I could give to the church. I could do this. I could do that. I could help people out. That'd be a very tempting offer. Moses would have had the power to do so much in a position like that. He could have. But he did what he felt was the will of God. And we saw how that turned out. Esteeming the reproaches of Christ better than the pleasures of sin for a season. He saw with eyes of faith because God is able to do far more through our obedience than we ever could by any position we'd hold in this, in this world. He can do far more through that. But what are we looking at? What are we seeing with our eyes of faith? When we're focused on the right things, we head in the right direction. And we see those situations come to fruition. That's what Moses saw. And later, what did Moses experience? The power and the glory of God. He gave off being king of Egypt. But he got to stand in the direct physical presence of God. He received the, the, the tables of stone. His face shone with the glory of God. How much greater is all of that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel three sixteen through 18 says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, they were accused of not bowing down to the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And it was a good accusation. They didn't. It was true. <clears throat> so the king confronts them. And says, I'll give you one last shot here, boys. You bow down when the music starts and everything's good. Everything's forgiven. But if you don't, I'll kill you. He's the king. He had, every, he had all the power, all the authority to kill them. This is their response. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. What a response. They weren't 100% sure what God was going to do in this situation. He certainly can deliver us if he would. But if not, doesn't matter. We're still going to do the right thing here. We're still going to obey God. Why? Didn't they know that they were about to die? Well, God doesn't want me to die. God doesn't want me to suffer. So surely He'll just understand. I'll just, I'll just worship them with my my knees and my body, but in my mind, I'm serving Jesus. Folks, it doesn't work that way. Jesus told us we can't serve two masters. We're all in here, or we're all out. That's it. It's yes, or it's no. 
I'm serving Jesus or I'm not serving Jesus. I'm in a covenant It's kind of like, you know, it's a covenant relationship, folks. It's like marriage. I'm in a covenant relationship with this woman. That means that I can't go out and establish a covenant with another woman. It doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. I'm already in a covenant relationship with someone. So when it comes to my spiritual walk, I'm in a covenant relationship with Jesus, or I'm in a covenant relationship with someone, something else. I can't do both. I've got to choose. I've got to choose every single day to honor the covenant that I established with my wife. I've got to choose every single day to honor the covenant I established or Jesus Christ established with me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego seem to understand that. doesn't matter what situation or circumstance I find myself in. i got to honor that covenant. i got to do what's right. Even if it means I die. Because they had eyes of faith. They saw the end result. Either way, either God is going to deliver us from this, or I'm going home. A lot of Christians I talk to, quote unquote, they don't have those eyes. They're not sure where they're going. Not in their heart of hearts. They may say it with their lips, but their actions tell me something different. If I have this settled in my heart, that Jesus Christ is my Lord and God, that I'm serving Him with my life, I'm ready to go. I'm not looking to die. I'm not, I'm not suicidal by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm not afraid to go now either. If today is my day, fantastic. I'm done. Retirement. I enter into my glory, my reward. If I live to fight another day, I fight another day. But when it's my time, I'm not going to sit there and fight and scrape and plead. Oh, Jesus, no. Spare me for just another day. Spare me for a few more years. Not a chance, folks. God wants me to come home. Man, I'm ready to go. Let's go. I mean that. Every Christian should have that attitude. It should be settled in here. If it's not settled in here like that, then, then you're not persuaded. You're not convinced. And you need to be. You need to be. These three Hebrew men were convinced. They were persuaded. No matter what happens here, I win. But I'm going to do the right thing. Because if I do the wrong thing, I break covenant with God. And now I don't know what's going to happen. The three Hebrews, they saw the end result of both scenarios through eyes of faith. And they went with obedience to God. God honored that. Wrought a great miracle of deliverance that day. 
We find an account in Luke chapter 24. This is after Christ's resurrection. There's a couple guys walking down uh, down the road to Emmaus. And as they're walking, this third guy comes in. We're going to read the account. It's a few verses, so bear with me, but it's important. Starting with verse 13 of Luke 24. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, referring to, more specifically, to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. They're looking right at the man and they don't recognize him. Why is that? At first, when I first read this passage years ago, I thought it was because Jesus was somehow miraculously hiding his face or or blinding them or something. But I no longer believe that. Jesus is dead. He's buried. So we're not going to see Jesus on the road to Emmaus. So they didn't. They didn't see Jesus because they weren't expecting Jesus. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, said unto him, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have, been, should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but they saw him not. So they're starting to get this, I guess, kind of circumstantial evidence together. The grave is empty. People have seen angels testifying that he was alive. But nothing concrete, nothing definite. And then Jesus said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And still, nothing. Still didn't see him. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. 
finally they received a revelation of truth. Sometimes, folks, we're just not looking for it. Sometimes we just we can't see it, even when it's right in front of our face. We need God to reveal it to us, to open our eyes, to shine the light of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked with us by the way and while He opened unto us the Scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how He was known of them in breaking of bread. Amen. There's an awful lot in this passage of Scripture. But I just want to focus on that one thing. They knew positively that it couldn't be Jesus because Jesus was dead and buried. We saw it happen with our own eyes. So Jesus can't be on the road with us. They couldn't see the man standing right in front of their face. We need to start expecting to see more. We have these ideas about how God operates and how God works. And and we have these experiences in our past, some of us, of how God operates and how God works through prayer and through worship and through the preaching of the Word and through Bible studies and through whatever avenue He chooses. But that's not what God is limited to. God is not limited to any of those things. He's not limited to you or me or anyone. He can do what He wants, when He wants, through whom He wants. Period. He's not limited by anything. And we've got to start recognizing that. When God is trying to do something in our lives, God starts showing us visions or dreams. Oh, God can't use me like that. It must be too much pizza. I ate too much pizza last night. Are visions and dreams scriptural? Absolutely they are. God promises to send His people visions and dreams. Do they happen today? Yes, they happen today. Miracles happen today. God still answers prayers today. God still speaks with people today. He still intervenes in the affairs of men today. However He wants. Whenever He wants. But more specifically, church, when His people get a vision of something and start asking Him, start praying about it, start seeing it with eyes of faith, God is more inclined to move in those situations. In fact, God is seeking such in which to move. We need to start opening our eyes a little wider. Start realizing that there are more possibilities in the Spirit than we've heard of before. Than we, certainly than we've experienced before. In these end times, I believe with all of my heart, God is going to do strange and wonderful things in our midst. Things that have not been seen heretofore. (coughs) 
And there are going to be some people that are going to cry foul. Because it's not been done that way here before. And our attitude should be, well, if it's the Lord, I'm not going to fight against God. If God's doing this, then let Him do what He will. If it's not God, then we need to talk about it. Sure. But if God's doing something new, church, let's let God do something new. Let's let Him do something brand new in our midst. Let's let Him do something amazing. Something no one has ever seen or heard of before. Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be awesome. But we've got to be looking for it. Otherwise, we're going to miss it. We've got to be ready for it. We've got to be expecting it. These men on the road to Emmaus, they knew how things were. They knew, they knew what the situation was. And because they knew what the situation was, they missed something wondrous. Except the mercy of God revealing it to them, they would have missed it completely. When God presents a circumstance or a situation to us, rather than seeing the pain and the suffering, rather than seeing everything I'm going to have to endure now, can we look at it with eyes of faith? Can we see what lies beyond that? We read about Jesus, how He endured the cross and despised the same. How was He able to do that? He wasn't focused on the cross. He was focused on the end result of what that cross would bring. It would bring you. It would bring me into a covenant relationship with Him. So He despised it. He despised the suffering. He would not regard it for the joy that was set before Him. He would not regard the cross because of what lied just beyond that. Just behind it. That's what He was seeing. That's what He was focused on. Can we see that as well? Can we see what Jesus is trying to do? Can we look beyond our momentary discomfort sometimes? Our momentary pain. And I'm not, I'm not discounting any of that. I'm not, I'm not disregarding it. That's real, folks. We go through real situations here on planet Earth. And they are, they are hard. And we do struggle. And we do have days of sadness, most certainly. That's our, that's our lot as human beings in this world, this fearful, fallen place. But if we can look at it with eyes of faith, and if we can see beyond the momentary discomfort, the momentary pain, and see what God is trying to do in the midst of that, maybe we too could despise the pain, despise the situation, not regard it, because we see what's coming down the road through it. If we can focus on that, if we can, if we can keep our eyes fixed on that, then that's where we're headed, folks. That's where we're headed. Amen. Let's all stand. A little bit short and sweet today. A guy can do things quickly as well as take two hours. Amen. <clears throat> if we could,
Let's all come to the front for just a moment here. We're not going to have service for another week. So, if we could just come forward for just a minute or two. Fifteen. As the Lord wills. (laughs) Amen. When the Lord decides to move, and when the Lord decides to minister, and when the Lord decides to go in a specific direction, there's not a lot that we can do to, to alter that or hinder that. Uh, we, can, we can get off the train, as it were, and start moving in our own direction, but the train's going to keep moving where it will, <clears throat> in accordance with God's plan. And so, uh, I want us to stay in the will of God. I want us to stay moving in the direction God wants us to move. I want us to every day wake up, discern the voice of the Lord. Because He does speak with His people. He does speak with people today. He speaks with people outside of covenant. Trying to bring them into covenant. In Muslim countries, I don't know if it's the biggest source of converts, but it's certainly one of them. The Lord revealing Himself specifically to people in dreams and visions. I don't know how many testimonies I've heard about this. You can look at it on YouTube. It's amazing what God is doing in these end times. And so, what does God want to do here? What does God want to do through this body? What does God want to do through you? Through you specifically? Something new, something wondrous, something that that hasn't been heard of before, hasn't been seen before. Just get ready for it. Start seeing it. Start believing it. Start expecting it. Because it's coming, folks. Whether whether we're looking for it or not, it's coming. And if we miss it, someone else is going to see it. I don't want to miss what God is trying to do. I don't want to miss any of it. Amen. So let's pray as a a group this morning. Uh, Let's pray that God would simply open our eyes of faith. That we would begin to see new and and strange and wonderful things that He maybe has already been doing or is about to do in our midst. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for You. I'm so thankful for the presence of God that we feel here this morning. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for Your manifest presence in this place. I am so thankful, Lord Jesus, for the goodness and the faithfulness and the mercy of God that You suffered on a cross and died for me. And and if that would have been all You did, Lord Jesus, that would have been plenty. That would have been so much. Oh, thank You, Jesus, for Your so great salvation. But You continue and You continue and You continue to do more for us. You provide our every need. You establish a relationship with us. You you undergird us with strength. You heal our bodies and minds and hearts. You, You... You provide everything that we need. Everything that we need every single day of our lives. And You are altogether faithful to us. Hallelujah, Jesus. In these end times, Lord Jesus, You are going to do things differently. You are going to reveal things. You're going to to move and work through people differently 
strangely, uniquely. I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would remain sovereign in Your kingdom. That You would remain Lord and God. Lord, You can do just whatever You want to do. You can do whatever You want to do, whenever You want to, whoever You want to do it through. You can pick who You want to use, Lord Jesus, and use them mightily. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We're not going to be jealous if You exalt someone, if You use someone more than me or, or, or us. We're going to rejoice and we're going to celebrate that You're moving, You're working. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I want to see it. I want to see You work through Your people wondrously and miraculously in Jesus' name. Help us to see it, Lord. Help us to be expecting it. When it comes our way, when it comes our turn to be used of You, don't let us miss it, but help us to see it. Help us to see everything You're wanting to do and, and, and have the faith and have the courage to move forward in that plan. In Jesus' name I pray. Bless Your people. Bless those present here. Bless those within the sound of my voice, I pray, with eyes of faith. Help us, Lord, to continue to move closer to You, to cause us to become more like You each and every day. It is Your perfect will for each of us to become Christ-like. Not that we would be gods, that we would reflect Your character. Hallelujah, Jesus! That we would properly and accurately reflect Your image in this world. That we would demonstrate You to this world. Hallelujah, Jesus! That is what it means to be a Christian, after all. Hallelujah, Jesus. Move us forward in Your plan, I pray. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. Bless those here, Lord, as we go our separate ways. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we travel, You keep us safe on the roads. Bring us back safe. Let our travels be boring. Let our travels be without incident. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that when we get to our destination, that You would use us mightily to minister to those who are saved or unsaved, that we would be ministers of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would enjoy time with family and friends, that You'd bring us back to the house of God at the day appointed. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless all of you. Thank you so very much for your kind attention. Do enjoy yourselves. Travel wherever it is you're going. Uh, come back, come back, I'll take a shower, I'll comb my hair, uh, I'll be ready, <laughs> amen, God bless you, enjoy turkey, God bless you, you're dismissed.